not be excited. Well, it's been one of the most misunderstood chapters. What do we want to do? Sometimes when you preach in the book of Acts, people jump over this passage and go to chapter, verse 17. They don't go all the way to, I mean, 13. They don't go to, uh, to uh, 1 through 12. And what we're going to do is talk about a story of a marriage. Two people in the church who got caught up in some things. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Two people. One is Ananias, which is a great name because his name actually means gracious. God is gracious. And his wife's name is Sapphira. That means beauty. So they have great names. But as we go through this chapter, gonna go, I broke it up because it's 1 through 11. It's three things I want you to see. This is a new church kicking off. Everything's going on. It's exciting. Uh, and we talked about in chapter 4 how they had persecution from the outside. Well, this chapter is when we're going to have something happen from the inside. Because how many know our enemy does not play fair? He'll have to attack you from the outside or he'll attack you from the inside. And when you'll see three things in here. The first one is deception, disruption, and distinctness. And as we go through this, and let me set this up as we go to 1 through, uh, 1 through 11. If you look in the book of Acts chapter 4 through 36 and 37, the church is coming together as one. They're unified as one. They have a man that steps up named Bar- Joseph. They call, him the son of th- they call him the son of encouragement, Barnabas, because he encourages everybody. He sold all this land, and he gives it to the church. And he becomes famous. No one knew about Barnabas until now. You start hearing about him. As we go through the book of Acts, you'll see how he's so pitiful. Pitiful. Ah, pitiful. Pivotal. Thank you, honey. New Yorkers just can't talk when you're excited on how the church was able to advance. And he gave some land. Well, this couple decided, contrast, to do the same thing. Maybe. I love the suspense. Verse 1. It says this. But a man... You know, when you start off the scripture with but, you hate that. It's not good for anybody. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Contrast. They kept some. Barnabas gave it all. Thing about it, a lot of people focus on money. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to break. They could have gave nothing and wouldn't have gotten in trouble. As long as they were honest with God. They were lying to win esteem, to be known as somebody. So a barber show up, and he drops something off. Hey, I want to be just like him. So they show up, and they fake it. And they're lying to look good. I mean, no, that's in culture today. Everybody wants to have, everyone has an image to keep up. No money, but you got plenty of toys. Come on. As we grew up, said, keep up with the Joneses. Got a car you can't afford. Trying to impress people, 
No one really cares or remembers. I asked you, I asked my wife, every, what did I wear last week? I don't remember what I wear. And I know you don't. I hope you don't. <laughs> Trying to impress them. Trying to pretend to be something they're not. Now I can relate to this because as a young man, as a foster child, and I had parents that looked completely different and sisters and brothers that looked, didn't look like me. I used to hear the stories of the kids. They're talking about their brothers that were close and hanging out. And I, I had to make up some stuff. Why is your last name Brown? Their last name is Jewel. Well, you know, it's, I wanted to fit in, so I lied. But then, you, you know, when you lie, you kind of forget what you said last. <laughs> and I, I stayed in the neighborhood long. Man, I think you, I was trying to stay in with the, with the guys to impress them. George McDonald had a, a great quote. He said this, half the misery in the world comes from trying to look instead of trying to be what one is not. Trying to look the part, not being one. They were trying to look the part. Again, it had nothing to do with money. Is there trying to grab something without the sacrifice? Trying to grab stardom without sacrifice. Barnabas was sacrifice. He gave all the land he gave it. They were trying to be a, a high-powered couple without going through the sacrifice. And God was able to see through it. So the first one is deception. You know, the devil does not have to... One thing you read about, he says he's like the, he's like the um, angel of light. Because you won't recognize him. One of the big words here that happened to him was called pride. I can do this on my own without God. And they, what happens when you deceive, you actually think you're right. And you're walking outside of God's will. And no one can tell you you're off. That's how he deceives us. And we're always one step away from deception. One step away. It doesn't take one step away from deception. It's like a hook. He grabs you and you're heading this way. Heading this way, heading this way. And then you look at how did I get there? And you're following the wrong person or the wrong, going down the wrong path because it looks good. It smells good. It what? Feels good. Boy, I tell you, your feelings will mess you up every time. That theology of feelings does not work. I learned that growing up. I didn't feel like having castor oil. But I needed it. And mom didn't care if I felt it or not. Because if, if I took it and I threw it up, I had to take it again. That woke everyone up, didn't it? Deception. Deception. That's where he gets us. You see all through the Bible, people being deceived. Israelites deceived all the time. Because you have to focus on the one authentic thing, which is God. Second thing we have. Disruption. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Remember, we've been talking about being filled with the Spirit. Well, people, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're going to be filled with something else. And to keep back. Now, that word, that language there, the, uh, the Greek in that means to embezzle. To embezzle. 
which means something that I think Ananias overpromised something but did not deliver because Peter was able to call it. He used that language. You were embezzling something. It's like, oh, because you claim you were going to do something and you didn't do it. And how many know you just can't get anything over on God as much as you try? For yourself, part of the proceeds of the land, while it remained unsold, did not remain your own. And after it was sold, was not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived in your deed in your heart? You have, lied to, you have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. After an interval of, what, how many hours? Here comes his wife, came in, not knowing what had happened. And this is the key here. When everyone says there's no grace in God, here's a grace spot. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. There's an out. There was a time to tell the truth. She could have told the truth, but she decided to go on with the, with the, uh, with the scheme. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together now to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they still carry you out. They will carry you out. And merely she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man came, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Disruption. Now, some writers say this, that they might not have been unbelievers that came in and did this and master of fire, but I could not imagine they would be found out like judged like that if they were unbelievers, because unbelievers are not supposed to do that. They're not, they don't come into a church and give money. If they do, they don't know why they're doing it. And whatever you get from them, that's fine. So I believe they had to be kind of um, believers. And then they came in the middle of a church that's thriving. They're coming together as a group, sharing their items, making sure they're okay. And this came in and disrupted. There's a, there's a scripture in Joshua chapter 7 they cross-references to called the sin of Achan, children of Israel. Now, Achan, God has a sense of humor. His name means trouble. And the children of Israel, if you know, in Joshua chapter 6, they go and they take out the... the the, uh, the uh, city of Jericho, go around a few times, sing a few songs, and it falls. And they didn't have to do much work because God brought them the victory. If you knew about the, how high it was in the walls of Jericho, the walls came crashing down. God had one thing in mind. He said, one thing I want you to do, go around it, two things. Go around it, do what I tell you to do, and don't touch anything devoted to me. Well, they do this. But Aiken size finds out a nice pink raincoat, some gold, and some silver. So he decided to take that what was devoted to God and try to take it and put it in his camp and bury it in his tent. Well, two things happened in chapter 7. First, Joshua said, since we had such a great victory, we, don't, we can get ahead and just do the same thing we did in six. First, he didn't ask God. 
He sent some spies out. They go up to AI. AI is a life of 12,000 people. The spies come in. They say, oh, we can route these guys in no time. So just don't bother everyone else. Just send 3,000 guys, and we'll take care of it. It'll be done and by 5 o'clock. Well, those guys went in there, 3,000 of them, and they got routed, chased them out, then killed 36 of them. At that point, the Israelites have never lost a war or lost a body. And Joshua does what he does. He falls down. He, you know, he, he mourns. He, he asking God. You know, it's one thing to ask God, why you? When he comes back and comes down to you and says, why you? And he asks him, why? We're coming over and you, how can you just do this to us? And we're about to die. And he says, I didn't do anything. That which is devoted to me, you took. Someone in the camp took it. Now, I want you to do this. Purify yourselves and come before me the next day. You want to write that down. Purity. Those who are pure will see God. And they go. And they had to go through every tribe. Now, again, talk about grace. If I am making, these guys are going to find me out. Let me just pull up and say, Josh, man, I was stupid. I, I took this stuff, asked for forgiveness. Now, he waited till he was found out. And what happens after that? They find out it's him. They take him outside the camp. They rock him. He gets rocked to death. Then they burn him up, purifying the camp. Because sin cannot stay in the camp. And how many believe, or you think, sin is a private matter? Sin is not a private matter, folks. If you're married or have a family or you're walking with people, whenever there's something going on, one of it, first thing, God knows about it. Two, people are going to find out about it. If you're a husband and you have a problem with pornography, you're ruining your family. Because everything as I know is about the children of Israel, when everything happened, when they're marching down, God will come during the day through a cloud, at fire at night, they will keep moving. Whenever they were sitting in the camp, they stopped. You disrupt the movement of your family, you disrupt the movement of a church. Come on, somebody. And we stand there and we have to deal with it. And now, sometimes we preach this on a public level, but really it's talking about personal. That's why God gives us what I call the greatest gift in the world, repentance. That we repent quickly, personally. So you want to affect your family. You want to affect your co-workers. You want to affect a church. Every time the children of Israel had to deal with something, they had to stop their movement. That's why I call it disruptive the flow of them going to take out. Now, chapter 8, they finally asked God, and God gave them a whole different complete plan because you can't use the same plan twice. But what stopped them was sin in the camp. And for me personally, you'll know you're dealing with pride if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I wish so-and-so was here. 
they need they they need to hear this. Because I when I was when I was studying for them, like I could tell you ten people that should be here. And God said, No, 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 you're here. <laughs> Deal with your judgmental spirit, dude. Deal with your anger. Deal with your non patience, Rich. Because I'm good being non man. Donnie's going, yeah. And pride, oh boy. So I'm like, I'm crying, saying, they need to get this. No, 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 no. As long as you get, you'll be all right. Because <laughs> no one's immune to it. It's a scripture that really rattles me when I read it. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But he who what? Who's in heaven. Now, when we look at this passage, don't get caught up that you're going to drop dead tomorrow. There's some principles in that. God is going to deal with you immediately sometime, but I can tell you what, it's going to be ultimately all the time. Because at the end of our days, we're going to meet him. And we're going to be accountable for what he had told us to what? Do. And you cannot blame your spouse. You know, when I was in the military, I had to go get a, a guy out of jail. First thing he did was blame his wife. One, the last guy on New Year's Eve went to get him out of jail. He blamed his wife. She wanted me to go to a Bible study. <laughs> Dude, you should have went. <laughs> and then y'all could go get something to drink together and let her drive. Do you blaming her? She had the right idea. Because we're going to meet and ask. But even today, here's how it is. Whenever you're walking outside the will of God, how do you, you just feel terrible. You feel guilt. Who wants to walk in, in guilt and condemnation all the time? You're miserable. When I'm not straight, I'm miserable. And I'm miserable to be around. That's the most thing. Why do you want to live and be, and you can just, I'm done. But this scripture gets me. Because everyone, here's the thing. Ananias and Sapphira, Judas, was in the presence of God every single day. But their heart was not changed. So you can be close to the environment, which I come to church on Sunday, click. That's great. You got an hour and a half of faking it. And then Monday, you're, you're feeling bad. Because you know, especially guys, you know when you're off. You know when you do something wrong. You just know it. And you don't have to worry about finding out your wife will tell you. <laughs> Jesse's saying, yeah, I'm just not saying anything right now because Myra's just agreeing, <laughs> saying amen, and she's going to put 50 tweets out there. <laughs> don't worry about it, Jesse, man. My wife got a book. Yeah, everything you just said, you're accountable. So... <laughs> immune to it. Purity, all immune to it. I want to see more of God. Gotta go down and go up. The greatest thing is the gift he gives is, is repentance. But it disrupts everything. Your whole flow stops. And you, you do that and you and what happens, the biggest thing you do, guys, don't make God mad. You break fellowship. Listen to me. You break fellowship. Not the promise. 
the fellowship. You break it. If you have friction with your brother, and y'all used to fellowship, you can tell when there's friction with your brother. The fellowship's broken until you make it right. Same thing with us, with God. He, he doesn't, you know, he gets the best. He's the one that has all the grace. He already knows something anyway. You can't hide it from, oh, he won't know. Are you kidding me? He'll know. And if you don't, here, I know enough. If you don't, you're so guilty, you tell people. Don't tell anybody. And guess who they go tell? Me. They go tell me. I'm like, they just tell me. Not to tell anybody. So you telling me? <laughs> don't do that. Tell God first. And find you some friends that don't leak out. Because, please, I don't want to hear that stuff. I got my own issues. Just kidding. Just helping you out. Something happens. They are, sin is gone. This disruption is gone. And something magical happens. Fantastic happens. Distinctness. Distinctness. Verse 11. And great fear came upon the whole church. And all who heard of these things, great fear, key word here, church. This is the first time they're identified as a church. Distinctly, they're God's, we're God's people. We are different. The word church talks about, I'm not going to use the Greek word, the called out ones. We're different. Our standards are different. Our morals have to be different. We can't, we can't afford to cheat on our income taxes. We can't afford to, 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 take, to cut corners because when we do that, we wreck, everyone just blames God. They don't blame you. They blame God. If that God is so awesome, how come these, these? And we have enough bad press as it is. I'm a pastor. I understand what's on TV with preachers. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Lord, Whatever you got to do, stop this. Because they're not degrading, like he said, you're not lying to the people. You're lying to God, and you're giving him a bad rep. It's amazing. The whole church. Fear is not a bad thing. Reverence, respect, a sense of awe. They reverence the church. I wrote this down. When we fear the holiness of God and the consequences of sin, we avoid sin. Let me make it plain for you. One thing, I always make jokes about my, my mom spanking me and stuff. But the one thing growing up I never wanted to do is these words you hear, disappoint her. She's, you dis, if she says, if you go in trouble and I, you look out and you see my face, I know, and the consequences wasn't getting in trouble or going to jail, it was disappointing my mother. So I had a healthy fear about that. When she said I'm disappointed, I'd rather take a bunch of spankers to get it over with. Don't be disappointed in me. I don't trust you anymore. You, you untrust. Oh, my gosh. I'm like crushed. Lock me up. I don't want to disappoint my mother. Well, the same thing when I come in. I don't want to disappoint God. Why do I not cheat on my wife? Because I don't want to disappoint God. And the consequences is just it may, what happens. It destroys everything and everybody around it. 
I can't afford to do anything because I take out 200 people with me. You, maybe your family. Me, 200 plus. But I'm not thinking about the 200 plus. I'm thinking about my father, who I don't want to disappoint. Now, he won't be disappointed. I just break fellowship. That's my own heart. That's how I walk around. I don't do it. I have fear because I'm afraid of getting judged. I have fear because I, I serve a holy God. Holiness is amazing. And we just can't show up any old way we want to with him. When the children, again, anything when it starts off, God always starts off strong. When the two, um, Aaron, Aaron in the Old Testament with Moses, Aaron, his sons, after they became priests, they decided we'll just go up and go into the holies of holies and do what we want. They were drinking, doing fire they were not supposed to do, just show up in their way. And God was trying to show them something. We're not going to contaminate this because you guys are short memory. And I don't want you to, I don't want this to pass on because you know that's cancerous. It's cancerous. Just like holiness is cancerous, sin is cancerous. Well, if he can do that, I can do that. If he can do that, I can do that. And as leaders of your families, guys, how you live your life, you tell your children how to do it. If you're single, looking for someone new. You know what you got to do? Here's your advice. Stop looking. You're saying, wait a minute. Just don't do it. Yeah, stop looking. You know, if you stop looking, God will look for you. Ask me, you can ask me and my wife in a life group how we met. We weren't looking, but God was looking. Let him look, and he'll pick the right one. You lot looking, you're going to mess it up. You're going to go all over again. And when you fear the consequences of sin, your voice sin. Now, living our lives daily is amazing because there's a scripture in there how God, again, his grace, Philippians 2.12, says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my, what? This one's something. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Stop. A lot of people just feed on that. Works, works. Next one. For it is God who what? Both to what? And to what? For his what? You can't go wrong with him. There's the things I do and the things that God will do I can't do. Three things, and you look at that. Scripture. First one is individually. Individually. Obedience. Work out my obedience individually. I, I have, I'm obeying. Second thing is responsibility. It's my responsibility to grow and learn to walk closer to God. And the third one, sensitivity. I'm sensitive to what he's saying through fear and trembling. I don't want to, I want to do this right. Because too many people are counting on it. It's nothing worse when you see an NFL player or any player get up there and I let my family down, I let people down, I let this down. And they, I know they're just horrendous. You let a lot of people down. Individually, you let your family down. But what happens is, if you become immune to it, your conscience, if you continue going in the other, your conscience gets seared and everything else what you're saying is no good. That's what happens 
and I might get the story wrong, guys, but there's a story about how they catch wolves. And, and up in Alaska, they'll take a block of ice, put it out, and got blood on it. And they like blood. So they lick the blood. And as they're licking the blood, they're starting to feel, this is not bad. This is pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Well, the ice dissipates. Their tongue is actually hitting the knife. And they're tasting their own blood, and they're killing themselves. That's what happens when you let sin go. You be, it just Your whole nerve system is gone. I had my finger, partially my finger taken off in, a, in an accident. This one here. Well, this one here, I'm sorry. That's why the nail doesn't grow back. You can take a pen and, this part this and stick it right in my I don't feel it because the nerve endings are gone and dead. What happens is you continue walking and testing God. You just become numb to it, and everyone else is just holy rollers, and you think that's it. It's over. And churches won't preach about it because you want people to come back. But you want, how come my life is short? And it happens all the time. You're walking in negativity or walking in the minus section. Nothing's working out for you. You think that's normal life. You have money. You don't have money in your pocket. You're not being blessed. But I'm just working hard. You're numb to what God says. And all you're doing is licking. This tastes good until it kills you. I know it's graphic. It's graphic to me. Because you think you're doing all right. Because we're the called out ones. We're the church. We have a different system. We have a different set of rules, moral codes. What's your good? Because if you see everything that God tells you in that scripture, God's commandments are in his enablements. Do you notice that? He tells you to do this, but he also he's working in you to help you do it. Here's the on-off switch. You can agree with it or you can disagree with it. He is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything, but he's going to watch you get beat up. As my mom used to grow up, said, you hard head. You got a hard head. I wish you found another way to say that, mom. No, you got a hard head. <laughs> I do. I got a hard head. My wife said, no, nah, you got a hard head. It takes you a while to get things. Here's one of the things I like that I want us to participate in today as a family. First John 1 John 1.9. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do we do? Confess. Who does the worst? God. But you have to make the choice to confess. Max Lucado has a great quote. <laughs> Confession is telling God you did the thing he saw you do. Does, he win, does God win on this deal? I saw you do it. I'm glad you finally fessed up to it. I'm watching you. No, I'm private. No one can see me. I'm all by myself. No, you're not. He's looking at you. He created you. And you make the promises. I'll get better. I'll get better. Yeah, right. I know. I, you lie, but I love you anyway. But here's the thing. We can do this, you do this together. We're going to take communion today to close this out. And as you take the cup, 
I'm going to read something to you. And that's private between you and God. And I'm not asking you to get up. Oh, yeah. I, you don't get up and say and just give yourself out like I do. It's part of my job. But you speak to him and tell him <laughs> the thing he saw you do. And the greatest thing, again, I love what as Matt Chandler says this, repentance is the greatest gift that God has given each and every one of us. Because he doesn't expect us to be perfect. He's perfecting us. Guys, why don't you come forward? Think about it. Just as it's time. Sometimes it's a heavy message you got to receive, but I can't, I couldn't jump over this thing because it ministered to me. Why don't you guys hand it out?